Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Psalm chapter 131. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Psalm chapter 131. It's a short little psalm tonight. One Bible commentator said it's a easy psalm with a hard lesson. It's a short psalm. Will take you a long life to learn to live. So Psalm 131. It's a psalm of ascent, which means that as the children of Israel would travel to Jerusalem and worship the Lord, the trip that they would have taken would have been extremely difficult. It would have required an an extraordinary amount of energy, of time, of effort. And when they would have gotten there, they would have sung this psalm. And I know in your life and I know in my life sometimes, and it can feel like it takes a lot of energy and effort to get somewhere. It can take a lot of energy and effort to get to church on a Wednesday night. It would have been much simpler to just stay home tonight. It's a little bit chilly. It was raining yesterday. It's dark now because of time change. There could have been... A dozen excuses that we could have used in order to not be here. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And yet, what a great reminder in this psalm. It takes a lot of energy and effort in our lives. And in our marriages, in parenting, at the office. It takes a lot of energy and effort to get somewhere. A short, easy psalm, but a hard lesson. And let's look at it. Verse number one. Lord, my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. An easy psalm, but a hard lesson. An easy psalm, but a hard lesson. Our Heavenly Father, use this psalm in our lives. Father, encourage our hearts with this tonight. Father, and give us what we stand in need of. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. We're starting a, a new series. One will start tonight, tomorrow, and then... or. or Next week, and then the week of Thanksgiving, which, of course, our service on that uh, week will be on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, our praise and Thanksgiving service. Let's start a a series on uh, what it looks like to have a thankful life. A thankful life. So we understand a thankful day. That's, That's Thanksgiving. That's the one day out of the year where we're all supposed to say thank you. But God isn't calling us simply to a day of thanksgiving. God wants us to have a life of thanksgiving. And the life of thanksgiving that we are to live begins with a godly spirit of contentment. Researchers have found a link between gratitude and contentment. 
that where a life is marked by contentment, that there is gratitude, there is thankfulness. Where a relationship is marked with gratitude or contentment, that there is in that relationship longevity, there is joy, peace that's found there. There's a link between gratitude and contentment. This is not simply a connection that researchers have found, but this is a connection, of course, that's given to us in the Bible. In Philippians chapter number 4, in fact, turn over there, it's in the New Testament. Philippians chapter number 4, the Apostle Paul makes this connection for us. He helps us understand that God intends for us to live lives where we are rejoicing in the Lord, where we are thankful to the Lord, where we are again and again saying, I rejoice in the Lord. That's, of course, what he's teaching us in chapter number four of Philippians. And we come now, verse number one. So after verse 10, I'm rejoicing in the Lord greatly. Verse 11 not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That there is, with a spirit of gratitude, it flourishes in contentment. That when you and I are living lives marked, distinguished, with thanksgiving or gratitude, when we have a thankful life, we'll be men and women who are content. I want you to think about your life for just a second. Can, can, you, can you learn to say this, that I am content with what I have? Can, can you say, as the Apostle Paul says in this passage, I'm content with what I don't have. My life is marked with contentment in what I have, and my life is marked with contentment in what I don't have. So in order for us to do this, look at Psalm 31 again. In order for us to get to a place in our lives where we have that measure of contentment and thereby we can live lives of thankfulness, lives marked by gratitude, what do we need? We need three things, I think, in this text. Notice we need the right perspective. Verse one, the, the right perspective. Now, oftentimes when you read Psalms like this, you immediately want to jump to verses like verse number two. Because in verse two, it says, surely... I have behaved and quieted myself. That's, that's the part of the, of the text that most of our eyes immediately go to. Okay, I want to have a quiet spirit within me. I want to have a spirit that responds appropriately. That's the word behave. I want to have a spirit that responds appropriately in the situation. I want to have this kind of life, verse 2, that's marked with peace and contentment and quietness, and fulfillment. That's what I want in my life. But you know this? You cannot get to verse 2 until you read verse 1. That's how it works, right? You can't get to verse 2 until you read verse 1. And so oftentimes we go, okay, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want peace. Just give me that. And we overlook the steps necessary in order to, to find a peaceful spirit and where we overlook is verse number one. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. My heart is not haughty and my eyes are not lofty. 
And so what's, what's the problem that most of us face? I think is the same problem that the psalmist David here is pointing out. It's a problem of having a proud heart. That we think that we know best on how our lives should go. We think we know best on what should take place next. We think we know best on what is happening with our future or in our uh, country or with our health or in this diagnosis or with our family or at the office or at the finances or in the economy or whatever it is. We can find ourselves, man, not like David where he says, my heart is not haughty, my my eyes are not lofty. We can find ourselves in the opposite position. David here is simply saying, it's okay, I do not have to play God. David accepted that he was not God and that God was God. In fact, the difference between God and us is that God never thinks he is us, but we oftentimes think we are him. David is saying, no, 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 Lord, my heart is not haughty. I I do not always know what is best. In fact, have you thought of this? That maybe with Everything that you know and everything that I know and all the information available to us, maybe it's possible that with everything we know, we don't know it all. With everything we know, we don't know it all. And David here has the right perspective. David knew who he was and David knew who he was not. And David adjusts the expectations of his life accordingly. And if you and I are going to live with a spirit of thankfulness, then we must learn to live with the right kind of perspective about who we are. And thankfulness is found in reaching the place where we say, even when I cannot understand it all, even if I do not understand it all, I trust The one who does. In fact, that's what Paul is arguing in Philippians chapter 4. Flip back over to Philippians chapter 4 again. Notice what Paul says. He says in uh, verse number 10, I rejoice, notice, in the Lord. He says in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So so the key for Paul is understanding that he finds contentment. Listen very closely. He is finding contentment not with his circumstance. He's finding contentment in his circumstance. And oftentimes we say, well, I would be thankful and I would find contentment if the circumstances would work this way because I know better than God on how my life should go. No, Paul says, I'm I'm content in this. Why? Because I am rejoicing in the Lord. See, Paul is attaching. He's hanging the coat of his thankfulness on who? On the Lord. 
That even though Paul is not necessarily content in his external situation, he's not content with the externalities of his situation, he is content in the reality of the situation that he finds himself in, which for the book of Philippians, do you remember when we studied this book, is where? It's prison. He is not writing this from the rich Carlton overlooking the Mediterranean. He is writing this from prison and he is saying, I find myself content in. Look at the verse again. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. Not that I speak in respect of what, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So that, the word in there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back all the way to ninth grade English. The word in is a, do you remember? A preposition. Remember all the prepositions? I remember my ninth grade English teacher teach me the preposition song. This is crazy, but I can still sing that song today. I won't, I'll spare you but I could still sing this song today. Prepositions show what? Position. Paul says, I'm content in this circumstance. Now, there's a big difference in being content in a circumstance and being content with a circumstance. And Paul is making a distinction. He's making a distinction. I'm content in this why? Why can Paul say that? Because Paul is confident in God. I rejoice in the Lord. It's the same thing David is striking at in Psalm 131. My heart is not haughty. Mine eyes are not lofty. I know who I am and I know who I am not. And here's a situation that I'm Finding myself in. It is not what I have, would have chosen. It is not what I would have picked. It is not what I would like. But I am content in it because I have the right perspective. I'm not God. I'm not God. Lord, my heart. Look at the verse again. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. You've lived long enough, you know this, that there will, of course, always be circumstances in our lives that are less than perfect. And the circumstances in each of our lives are always changing. And so if we're simply trying to seek to find contentment or thanksgiving in changing circumstances, then guess what? Our lives will always be on a roller coaster. They'll always be up and down, up and down. However, whatever way the wind is blowing is where we will find ourselves. Paul and David are saying, no, no, no. It is not in external circumstances which ebb and flow, which change. It is an internal relationship with God who himself does not change. And aren't you thankful for that? It's the, it's the big $5 theological word, the immutability of God. Now, it sounds really big, but here's all it means. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. 
The world changes. Trends change. Culture changes. Presidents change. Countries change. Things that are popular change. Pastors change. People change. You've changed. I've changed. Things change. But you know who never changes? God never changes. So we can find a spirit of contentment when we begin with the right perspective. Take whatever the circumstance is. You're, you're diagnosed with a severe illness. You're removed from a position of, at your office. A, a relationship is fractured. Whatever the circumstance may be. And we could go through a whole long list of what kind of circumstance we may find ourselves in individually. But inevitably, those circumstances change. They change often. They change regular. But God never changes. And what Paul is teaching us, and what David is teaching us, and what the writers of the Bible are teaching us is, you should view this circumstance in light of who God is, not in light of who you are, not in light of what you think, not even in light of the circumstance itself. Find the right perspective, which means put your eyes on the Lord. We could go to a thousand places in the Bible to, to prove this to be true. But I'll just remind you of Psalm 139. You should read it tonight for your homework. But David says in Psalm 139, God made me, God knows me, God loves me, God hemmed me in. My times are in his hands. He's always with me. You know what David is doing in Psalm 139? He's giving himself the right perspective. David, David in Psalm 139 is talking to himself. He does this all the time in the Psalms. I said to my soul, oh my soul, right? You, you, you ever read that in the Psalms? How many of you talk to yourself? Let me see, raise your hand. You talk to yourself. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you know what you're doing right now? You're talking to yourself. You're like, I don't talk to myself. Do I talk to myself? Do I talk to you? I don't know, sometimes. Amanda tells me all the time, she says, Dave, I don't care if you talk to yourself, just don't answer yourself. That's when you have a problem. You know, you know Psalm, 120, Psalm 139, David is talking to himself. Psalm 139, David is reminding himself of who God is. You want to have a life that's full of thanksgiving? You need the right, you need the right perspective. H how many of you, sometimes when you're, you're dealing with students or you're dealing with, you're dealing with your children, you, you know what's best for your children, but your children think they know what's best for themselves? How many of you have ever had this experience before, right? Elena, uh, Elena, Emery will do this thing at the table now. She's, she's in this phase where she always wants to know who the person in charge is because that's the one person in the room she's going to listen to. So Amanda will say, when, when I'm not there, Amanda will, mommy's the boss. You have to do what mommy says. So we're sitting at the dinner table the other day and I said to Emery, I said, eat your French fries. And she said, daddy not the boss, mommy the boss. I said, I'm the boss. And Emery immediately looked at Amanda, like Emery's having this, mo this life crisis moment. Like, I thought you were the boss. Now he says he's the boss. Amanda responds to her correctly. She says, Daddy is the big boss. 
And she looked at me, you the big boss? I said, I'm the big boss, and I know best. Eat your french fries. Of course, we understand a silly little story about children. We get, oh, yeah, of course, parents know better than kids on what they should do. Of course. Well, if that's true between you and your five-year-old, how much infinitely more is that true between God and you? Or God and me? That's what David is saying. My heart is not haughty. Mine eyes are not lofty. I have the right perspective of who I am and I have the right perspective of who he is. In fact, what we would say is that a child begins to mature when a child understands he doesn't know best. And that child matures when he understands he doesn't know best and he starts to listen to the ones that God has put in his life. And just like we say about a child, that's maturity. It's also spiritual maturity when you and I recognize God knows better than we do. And I'm going to listen to him. And I'm going to obey his word. And I'm going to be sensitive to his spirit in my life. And I'm going to press into the spiritual leadership that God has put in and around me. And I'm going to get good counsel. Remember we talked this weekend, all the ways that God speaks to us. God is constantly speaking. God speaks to you. God speaks to me. And these are the tools in which he uses. And the spiritually mature individual says, mine eyes are not lofty. My, my heart is, is not haughty. I want to listen to what God has to say to me. I need the right perspective. I need the right perspective. Say it with me. I need the right perspective. You say, okay, I got the right perspective. Now can we move to peace? No, because the verse isn't over. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Look at this. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. In other words, the psalmist is saying, I'm going to keep the right preoccupation. I'm going to keep the right preoccupation. He says, I'm going to be preoccupied with the things that matter. It's so tempting to get preoccupied in things that are too great for us. We cannot understand them. We, we, we strive, we want to, but they're too deep, they're too great. We must realize that there are plenty of times in our lives where we have a Deuteronomy 20, 20, a 29, 29 moment. That there are some things that are just too great for us. God has some things that he is doing on his own of which he is not revealing to you and to me. The secret things belong to him. The revealed things belong to us. That's the good thing. That's the good news. There are some things that God has clearly revealed to us of which we would do really well to start obeying and start believing and start claiming and start practicing. But there are some things that belong to God. 
In, in, in other words, God has his secrets. And it's the expression of ultimate arrogance on the part of me and you when in our pride and in the haughtiness of our own minds and of our own eyes, we, the clay, demand an explanation from the potter on what he's doing to us. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. David is saying, there are some files that God marks as top secret, confidential, no access. Now, we don't like that because we live in a day and age in which if we want to know something, we can just jump on the Internet and we can search it up. We can know whatever we want to know that fast. But not as it relates to our relationship with God. Contentment does not occupy itself with things that are too great, things that are too marvelous. Contentment says, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Right now, the, the picture of which we are looking through our lives at is not the whole picture. You, you cannot see it all. You cannot know it all. Do you know why? Because we are not God. He is. And we are not. If faith in God is willing to live this life with some questions unanswered. A spiritually mature person recognizes that there are some questions that we will take with us to eternity. And we may never have the answer to in this life. And a spiritually mature person not only recognizes that, but willingly embraces that. You may not, may not ever know why cancer struck why the heart attack happened. You may never know why this didn't go your way or this thing didn't happen for you. You may never know on this side of eternity the answer to that question. But faith, spiritual maturity, does not occupy itself in wanting to know the reason. It simply believes in the reasoner. I just put my faith in him. I do not know it all. It's the right perspective. It's the right preoccupation. Lord, my heart is not haughty. Mine eyes, nor mine eyes lofty. And neither do I exercise myself in great matters in things too high for me. Now, now look where we get when we have the right perspective, when we maintain the right preoccupation, 
we can live our lives in peace. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. As a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. You ever, you ever been somewhere where a, a child is, is crying desperately? You came into the room only to find the child completely upset and you don't know what happened that led up to the event. All you know is you came into the room, the child is sitting on the middle of the floor, wailing, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The face is red, the eyes are watering. Her, her, her hair is all discombobulated, right? She has the sup-sups. You know what that is, right? That's when the, when the, when the child What happened? The sup-sups. I don't even have no idea what happened. What, what's going on? What are you doing in that moment? You ask the kid, what happened? They can't even tell you. What are you doing in that moment? The mother picks up the child, consoles the child, quiets the child, comforts the child. You, you, know, you know what the mom does in that moment? You're trying to do this. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. My soul is like that child. Of course there's circumstances in your heart and in my heart. Of course, there's sadness. Of course, there's things that we've all been through. That's part of the Christian journey. Of course, there's pain. Of course, there's hurt. But we have peace. We have peace, not because we find it in ourselves. We have peace because we find it in the comfort and hope and promise of God. In fact, that's how the that's how the psalm ends. Look, look at that final verse, Psalm 131. Look at the final verse. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Let us hope where? In the Lord. Let us hope in who? In the Lord. Aren't you thankful that doesn't say, and let us hope in the president of the United States. Woo, I'm, so, I'm so glad it doesn't say that. Uh, let us hope in the senators or the governors or the mayor. Let us hope. I'm, I'm glad it doesn't say, let us hope in the deacons. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? I'm glad it doesn't say, and let us hope in the church members. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? And I'm glad it doesn't say, let us hope in the pastor. Now, don't amen that point, okay? That would, be, that would be a rude part to say amen at. And where's our hope? It's in the Lord. When your hope, when your faith is placed in the Lord, it is never misplaced. And that's what this psalm is reminding us of. I'm placing that in him. If you and I want to live in this life with peace, it's because we've put our hope, our confidence, our trust in the Lord how do I get my hope and confidence and trust there? Preoccupy yourself, not in your external situations, but preoccupy yourself in an internal relationship with God. Get the right perspective. The right perspective of who you are and who you are not. And the right perspective of who he is and who he is.
and what he, what he desires to do in our lives and what he's already told us to do in his word.